Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. There's only one day with you, Lord. It's called today. This is the day that you have made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us spend all the grace you've given us for this day. And only put our concerns on this day, Lord. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. We thank you, Lord, that we'll rest in your finished work and walk in peace and victory. Help us to grow in the grace and knowledge of you today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've been inundated, amen, with uh, meetings and phone calls and, and uh, links and stuff like that. And some of you have sent them, fine, no problem, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, it's overwhelming, can't even begin to watch it all. Some of it is very powerful. And uh, I guess if you would call this a dark time, uh, I would also say the freaks come out at night, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> not everyone who claims to be a prophet is a prophet. But just because of that does not mean to forsake prophecy. Peter said, do not forsake prophecy the fivefold ministry the apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers are very much alive in the body of Christ that's the gift that Jesus gave to the body of Christ to you as he ascended to heaven he gave gifts to men and that was a fivefold ministry to prepare you for the work of the ministry amen, amen. and so we need to be aware of what's going on also of the times that we live in we are blessed to be a part of the times in which we live because the church has always thrived in times of greatest persecution. Amen. Amen. And you know, folks, we still have wonderful freedoms in this nation. We need to thank God for every day. Pray for all of our leaders. Um, and because uh, the best thing that can happen to anyone is for God to get a hold of that. Amen. Amen. And... Uh, so anyway, I I took off walking with my dog yesterday after I'd been sitting with the Lord for a while. And uh, I just needed to get out and see some of his creation and to, to commune with him a little bit that way. He, we like to have fun like that. And he just started pouring a list of E's on me. E's as in the letter E. <laughs> it was so fun and Funny and encouraging. And that was the first letter, encouraged. Let me just get into the message here. But he wants to he wants you all to be encouraged. Amen? It's hard sometimes when you don't feel like there's anything to be encouraged about. Uh, but there's always plenty to be encouraged about. You can't think of anything else. Just look down, start at your feet, and work your way up. Amen. Mommy used to always say, you know, get up, make your bed. You know, at least you did one thing right that day. Brush your teeth, you know. There's something to be glad about. 
something you did good. Now take the next step that you know to do. Spend time with the Lord. David in 1 Samuel, the 30th chapter. I gotta go there. But his you know, David David was king for many, many years before he ever got to be king. I'm talking about the, from the time Samuel came and anointed him at his home when his brother and brothers and father didn't even want him to be considered. He was the runt of the litter, amen, out there watching, tending the few sheep out in the, in the field. I feel like David sometimes. I hope the Lord sees me like that. But he had been in some strange and hard, hard situations without preaching on David today because I would love to. But at this one particular time, they were another nation, tribe, had come and destroyed the village of Ziklag where they were staying, burned it down, and took off with all with his his two wives, Abigail and was it Jezreel? He had two wives at the time. Took his wives. They took everybody's wives and children. Took everybody there with them. They didn't kill anybody. They took them all though, slaves, and burned the village down. And a lot of other things had happened leading up to this, in which there may have been a little bitterness against David already. But they were talking about stoning him. His own men. Plus all the heartache of personal heartache he was enduring because of what had just happened, right? First Samuel thirty verse six says David was greatly distressed distressed for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I want to encourage you, the best place to always find strength and encouragement in times of hardship and trouble is in the Lord. He's the one, I always go back to Psalm 23, He's the one who restores your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. And you get off course, get off track, go back to the Maker, Amen. Amen. He's your friend. He's your creator. He has your plan. He knows everything about you. And he loves you anyway. And he's the one to go to for help. Go there first. Go to God before you go to Google. Amen? Amen. But you know, I guess the heart of the matter regarding David is that he had a heart for God. He was someone devoted. He admired and feared the Lord in a way, not a fear as a punishment, but he just respected him and honored him and he loved the Lord. And when when the prophet went to tell Saul, who had messed up bad, that he was going to take his kingdom from him, and give it to, he didn't tell him it was David, he told him it was another. 
But this is what he said in 1 Samuel 13, verse 14. He says, but now your kingdom, Saul, your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. And he was talking about David. So he called David a man after his own heart. We know that David made a lot of terrible mistakes. He was a terrible father, for starters. He wasn't a faithful husband. He committed adultery and murder to cover it up. I mean, you know, and I'm not calling out anyone's sin. Praise God. But God loved him. People don't understand these things. How God can love someone who isn't lovely. Well, you better hope he can. Because <laughs> we aren't lovely. Apart from Jesus in God's eyes. All of our righteous acts are as filthy rags to him. Apart from Jesus. God loved him. Not because he was lovely. But because he was devoted to God. He, he wants to do the same for you. Is my point today. Second Chronicles 16.9 is a beautiful scripture, and I want you to picture this. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward Him or devoted toward Him. Look at the different translation. They're dedicated or devoted. It's not like that I'm talking about with David. It doesn't mean that you're perfect and, and you live a perfect and holy life. It just means that you you want the things of God. There's a scripture that says, Be ye perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect. We know that in our soulish realm and in this physical body, we're not going to do everything perfectly in this life. That's where you hear everybody object so strongly. Nobody's perfect. Well, but are you willing to be perfected? That's the thing. Are you willing to grow in that direction? That's, that's all that God wants from you. He's wanting someone to who's waiting for Him. Here's the other E, expectation He gave me. I said, what do you mean by that? He says, I'm looking for someone. I'm looking to and fro. It's like, like do you know that Jesus is here today, folks? I mean... Do you believe the scriptures? Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst. Not only that, but when you leave here, he's still with you. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. If we really believe that and we can just pull back the veil and see, it'll change everything. He said, I'm looking for people who are expecting great things from me for them. I want to bless them. I want to be good to them. God wants to be good to you. He wants, but He needs for you to expect Him to move in your life, in your body, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your family, in your country, in your finances. Amen. I want to encourage you to get your hopes up. The world tried to tell you, don't get your hopes up. That way you won't be disappointed. Well, if you don't ever get your hopes up, you won't ever give your faith a target to hit. 
And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Amen. You have a part to play. You can't lose hope every time you come to one of life's bitter pools. Because there's going to be a lot of them for each of us, unfortunately. Everybody here. Yes, everybody here has, I know, has gone come upon some of those bitter pools. What I'm talking about by bitter pools is from Exodus chapter 15. You remember three days after the Israelites walked out of Egypt with wealth and (laughs) got freed from slavery and bondage in Egypt, they, they were backed up to a seemingly impossible situation at the Red Sea. God used Moses to part that Red Sea. They walked across on dry ground and they probably, and then it destroyed the entire army. Not single one lived of Egypt, of the ones that were following and chasing after them. And don't you know, they probably thought, that's pretty good. We got it made. Celebrating that victory and just thought that from there on it should be easy sailing. God had come to get them and they were blessed and hey, nothing was going to worry them ever again. Three days into the desert, they're thirsty, they're hot, and they're tired, and they don't have any water to drink, and they're grumbling and complaining. They see see some water, and they run to it, and they kneel down to drink out of it, and it was bitter water, and they couldn't drink it. And they began to grumble and complain. And guess what that got them? Nothing. I want to suggest to you that it'll have the same effect in your life. The opposite of what you want will come and it will only strengthen the negativity and the works of the enemy in your life. You're opening doors effectively, legal right for him to come in and continue to fortify those positions and make things even worse. It's just the truth, folks. Grumbling and complaining has never gotten anything good from God. What did happen, though, is Moses was smart. And he cried out to the Lord on their behalf. And God showed him a tree. God bless you. God showed him a tree. And long story short, you need to understand that the word for tree in Hebrew is the same for a tree growing up in your front yard or for a, a pole or in the lumber yard. You see? Whether it's a beam on a cross or a tree growing in the ground. He showed him a tree and he told him throw that tree into the water. And he did. And it made it sweet and they drank. There was nothing magical about that tree. God's the one who made the water sweet for them to drink. But what he needed was an act of faith by someone of faith. And he used Moses. And really that was just type and shadow of the cross of Jesus Christ. That tree that he threw into that water. Exodus chapter 15. You can look it up on your own. The other E he gave me was enemy. 
And I said, well, I know who my enemy is. It's not a person. It's not a group of people. And I thank God that He has shown me that and freed me from that sort of bondage because that is bondage. Uh, You see all sorts of hatred and vitriol and negativity. And, of course, you don't like that coming from any group or uh, people or person. But we know if we are mature at all in our Christian life that we are not to hate that person. We can hate the act. We can hate the deception. We can hate the evil. But we know how to separate that from that person. That's the problem with the culture we live in is they identify with their sin and they say that's who they are. We say, no, we love you. Really do love you. They say, you can't love me if you don't love my sin. That's not who God created you. That's not who you were made to be and that you're deceived. You know, we don't say that to people directly because it takes a work of the Holy Spirit. You pray for them. When you know that someone has built their life on a lie, on deception, on something that is disastrous to their soul and their eternal destiny, you uh, most oftentimes do not confront them with that thing. You want to see, you want to make it worse? You want to turn them away from God? You want to make them hate you and never listen to anything else again? Go ahead. Get in their face. It's the worst thing you could possibly do. It's going to take a work of the Holy Spirit to help that beautiful soul. And nothing God wants more. You pray for them. You pray for them. Amen. Second Corinthians eleven fourteen says, And no wonder even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Heard that before? You see how God looks to and fro and see who He can bless? Well, Paul was talking about ministers, actually, in this context. As you look at the Scripture before and after, I always encourage you to do that. He's talking about these false apostles, these false preachers that were going around, and they weren't, they weren't the real thing. And he says, no wonder, even the devil goes and disguises himself as an angel of light. What's he saying? Well, the devil, he's not going to come with a cape and and horns and and say, I'm the bad guy, join me. No, he's going to make it look like he's the good guy. He's going to make it sound very reasonable. He's very, he's, he's not what people think. I don't want to give him any credit. But the fact is, we know who he was and what he was. He was beautiful. He was gorgeous. God created him to be basically the choir master in heaven. He walked right amongst the Lord. He knows this word better than you do. And he's a deceiver. He's a slanderer, a liar. And he wants wants you dead. He comes after this word in you because it's it's what has the ability to save you. But talking about how God looks to and fro for someone he can bless, the enemy always has a cheap, um, what do you call it, imitation? Spirits. You see on the 
the storefront. <laughs> Holy Spirit. <laughs> well, God, the devil chose alcohol. Now listen, I'm, you know, I, I laugh sometimes, and I don't mean to laugh, but I'm like, Lord, <laughs> if people only knew my testimony, which you never will know all of it, things I can't even say, but they would never be afraid to come to me with anything. I'm not here to judge anybody. I'm a witness for the light and the love of God and what set me free. Amen. Amen. For me, it's going on 14 years. And, but I, I, don't, I still, I don't judge anybody for anything. You know? There, there are things that people think, well... So a lot of things are okay, but certain things, yeah, you have to try that, you know. Those people need to be dead. I understand what you're saying. I love them too. Do I feel love for them? Mm-mm. It's a choice. I've been in prisons where I was sitting there ministering the love of God to people who I did not even want to be in the same room with. He died for them too. You, uh, you on one of those lists that people can look up to see if you live in their neighborhood? <laughs> I'll pick you up if you need a ride to church. You're not going to serve in the children's ministry. <laughs> First Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil. Who's your adversary? And don't say, yeah, the devil is this person or that person. No, he might be using them. But that is not, they are not the devil, okay? Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. See, he imitating the real lion of the tribe of Judah. That's Jesus. Like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Someone he may devour, what translation says. Who may he devour? Those of us who give him authority to do so we're the ones with the power we're the ones Jesus gave all power over all the works of the devil and with our words and actions we give him open doors into our life this is why we live holy folks not to gain acceptance with God you can't live holy enough to be accepted by God does he want you to live holy yes because it's good for you why because it slams doors in the face of the devil who wants to come in and eat your lunch and pop the bag exposed was the next e that he gave me the devil always overplays his hand folks why Because he's full of pride. Pride always wants to be seen. Always wants to be heard. Plus he's full of rage. He's a rage monster. He's angry. He's full of hate and bitterness. Because he knows his destiny. He knows what he lost. He knows he'll never have what you have again. He'll never be friends with God. He'll never be accepted in the beloved. He will never, and he hates you for it. This is a truth 
This is the war that we're in. And just denying it just means you're guaranteed to lose. Amen. Amen. It's good to know your enemy's tactics. And a little bit about them, wouldn't you say? But God will take everything that the enemy meant for evil and use it for good, won't He? If we allow Him. For those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Who are the called? You are. Doesn't mean you've been called to ministry or whatever or this and that. You could be. God doesn't despise your job. He gave you work to do. It's a blessing. But if he called you into the kingdom of God, you're the called. Amen. Amen. And I believe we're in a time where the devil is being exposed. You know, Joseph is a, a great example in the old covenant. There's a there's a popular minister now, and he's a he's a son of a, of one that we all know and love. You probably watch him on. He's like a he's like a warm blanket. Um. Older gentleman, he's kind of—I think he said sitting down now. Get a little older, but and he's a Baptist, but I think he—he very respectful of the Holy Ghost because one of his family members was baptized with the Holy Ghost, and he knew it was real. Kind of like Billy Graham with uh, with uh, who's the college? Who's the Oklahoma named after? Basically, it's also Oral Roberts. Okay, so Oral Roberts one time. Was with Billy Graham at a at a at a thing, and and they all prayed before. And when it got to Oral Roberts, he prayed in the spirit. He prayed in tongue. And Billy Graham didn't come from that sort of background, you know, but he was not opposed to it. Matter of fact, after that day, they were young then. And after that day, every time he was around him, he said, "Would you please pray like that again?" And because he he realized there was something tangible, something powerful in that, even though he didn't, you know, embrace it himself. He he knew it was real. <laughs> but the devil in Joseph's story, I'm, I'm trying to cut to the chase because I want I do want to let you out quickly today, Joseph. He had all of his brothers. Joseph had a different mama than the rest of his brothers, okay? His mama is the one that his daddy really loved. He had another brother who we're going to, we'll, I'll talk about all day one day, okay? Um, from that mama. But it was after he was gone or, or, or he might have been a baby when he was there, but. They sold him into slavery. They were going to kill him. They were going to kill Joseph, but they, they end up, they throw him down in a pit, and then instead of killing him, they sold him into slavery and went and told their dad that he had been killed by a wild animal and so forth and so on. He was taken <coughs> to Egypt where he was in prison for a while. He went through process and terrible trials, and he never lost faith in God. He never blamed God. He, it's a beautiful story. Uh, um, but he said to his brothers, they were in a famine. 
and they had to go to Egypt to get food. And by then, God had elevated Joseph to uh, basically royalty. He was second in command, only second to, to Pharaoh in Egypt. And uh, they didn't recognize him with all his makeup and garb and all that. If you can think of the movie Ten Commandments, right? <laughs> and the sphinxes and all that. He might have looked something like that. Who knows? <clears throat> but... Then he did reveal himself finally after a bunch of stuff happened. Like, oh, it's hard not to talk about it. Well, the Bible's so awesome. But I want to tell you a scripture from Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. Just if you want to mark that down, that way it'll help you to find it when you're looking this stuff up. And you, Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Anyway, God used. What the devil meant for evil, you see, for good. I think this is a perfect example. So I, I was like, Lord, I need a good example of this. And he said, you should use Joseph. So what the devil meant for evil, God took and used for something wonderful. He, he made Joseph powerful, like royalty. And he saved an entire nation from famine. Not only Egypt, but his own people who were brought into Egypt and and uh, and then they were all reunited and it was a wonderful thing, right? So this is a good example of, of how far down the road God is looking in your situation. And you need to understand that even though it may seem bitter, it may seem hard, it may, you might, the you, everything you can do not just blame God and be mad at God so many people are mad at God but I'm telling you if you will just stand in faith if you will just praise Him in the storm God will do wonderful things for you I want to read Psalm 21 to you real quick Psalm 21 David wrote this. O Lord, in your strength, the king rejoices. Little king, who are kings and priests? You are. You are. I can't preach that message right now, but trust me. In God's eyes, you are all kings and priests. You're being raised up. You haven't been given all of your authority and privileges yet. You're like someone under a schoolmaster. You're... You're uh, being kept like someone, like a trust fund baby in many ways, as you're being matured. But you are kings and priests forever in the order of Melchizedek in Christ Jesus. The king rejoices, and in your salvation, how greatly he exults. Think of yourself in this. You have given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. For you meet him with rich blessings. You set a crown of fine gold upon his head. He asked you for life. You gave it to him. Length of days forever and ever. His glory is great through your salvation. Splendor and majesty you bestow on him. For you made him most blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord. And through the steadfast love of the Most High, he shall not be moved. Your hand will find out all your enemies. Your right hand will find out those who hate you. 
You will make them as a blazing oven when you appear. The Lord will swallow them up in His wrath and fire will consume them. This is how God protects His people, folks. You will destroy their descendants from the earth and their offspring from among the children of man. Though they plan evil against you, though they devise mischief, they will not succeed. For you will put them to flight. You will aim at their faces with your bows. Listen, folks, that's a, that's a good psalm for you to stand on in the face of adversity. When it feels like you're overwhelmed and outnumbered and just don't know what to do, just remember the fight is not yours, it's God's. And if you truly pray for God's will to be done, then just trust that He will do it. Don't expect it to be done your way and in your time, because if you do, you will fall into a snare of the devil. We're at a place right now, sort of a crossroads in our nation, I know. And I see, as some others do in the body of Christ, who I trust and um, believe that they hear God. But God can overnight change public opinion on a massive scale. Doesn't probably look like that could be... but. Nothing's impossible for God. Nothing is even big for God. The next thing he could do is expose the evil of men, no matter who they are, and bring them to justice. Or the third thing is he can bring revival to the church. And I told you, if, if the church would agree with God, everything in this nation... And basically, because this nation does have a great influence on the world, the world would be impacted and everything would, would be a lot better overnight. Amen. Amen. He can bring revival out of the desperate hearts of people hungry for righteousness, seeking God for His will and His ways. And I believe that it's starting now. Amen. I've been talking about this for Every, you know, for 12, 13, 14 years, almost. And I knew that I was going to be a part of this end times church. And the part that I was going to be a part of was the part that walked in power and victory and love. Adorned with all the gifts of the Spirit. If you throw down your rod, I'll throw down mine. And we'll see what God does. And that is what's happening, folks. I I believe there's already... Remember the prophecy from uh, Kenneth Hagin that I read to you all a week or two or three ago where it would ignite and uh, basically these dry bones began to come alive and the great vast army of God would rise up within the church and a hunger for God would come upon us. And I think in California... With uh, brother uh, Mario Marillo is uh, is just starting out there. He's seeing some wonderful, powerful things from people who just normally would not have have been. There are just overwhelming numbers coming to God, being saved, 
healing power is being released in the midst of these people and they're all groaning and crying out to God. True repentance is coming upon people. Salvation in great ways and miracles, signs and wonders are taking place. This has been happening in small bodies all around the country for a while. And now, as we have continued to believe for revival within the body, I really believe this is a great opportunity and a time for that. So continue to pray and believe for that and to uh, look into it as much as you can and to get excited because God wants you to get your hopes up. He's, I've been saying along with others for a long time, God's not, we're not, God... We, we shouldn't be waiting on God for revival because He's been waiting on, on us for a while. And I believe now that, that that righteous hunger is really boiling over. And it's, it's, it's just the, it's like the atmosphere for the perfect storm in a good way, if you know what I'm saying. The next E that He gave me was enormous and extravagant. Because we serve a big God. And when I talk about enormous, I'm talking about the blessings and the love and the power of God. He is a big God. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful, all-knowing. He's everywhere. And He is an extravagant giver. God is not broke. He is not small-minded. He wants you to get your hopes up and begin to pray and believe for things way bigger than you've ever prayed and believed for before. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm just beginning to scratch the surface of what he's getting at here. But you know, I, because we just, you know, sometimes people will come in a in a in a healing service. The presence of God is. Is, 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 is there and available, which I believe He's always here and available for you guys if you just believe. But the people will come up and say, well, I've got this and this and this and this and this, but, it, but, if, but if He'll just heal this one thing, I, I can handle the rest. It's like, well, dummy, you think if God did all that, it just the lights in heaven would dim? So, instead of just praying, you know, I just stopped praying for, for, for protection and covering over my, my own body and my own family and household and everything attached to me and grace and truth church. And, I, and, and I just, I'm just learning to extend that prayer and, and for our city. And, and uh, it's kind of like, like when Abraham, if, well, if you find 25 men there, what about 10? What if you, you know, and so... Because God kept saying yes, <laughs> you know? I said, and our and our whole nation and the whole world get rid of this scourge. You see what I'm saying? He wants you to start praying and believing for every good thing, because He's a big God. Because He's about to start blessing people who really have a heart for Him. And really are prepared to believe Him for things. And I'm not talking about just tangible things. But don't rule that out. God don't mind you having things. He just don't want them having you. Okay? 
If you believe the Scriptures which you're blessed to be a blessing, you would never ask Him to turn the faucet off. Amen. How selfish would it be of you? If people that say, oh, I don't need anything else, Lord, that means they think it's all for them. If you really believe that you're blessed to be a blessing, you'd say, pour it on, Lord. Just teach me to be a good steward. Amen. Amen. We have a big God, extravagant giver. There's a passage of scripture in Luke 5, and it's, I think, in Matthew 2. But anyway, talking about when... When, when the Lord met Jesus, I mean, when, when the Lord met Peter, do y'all remember that? He was called Simon at the time. He was a fisherman, and, and, and Jesus was preaching there. And, and, and like it was very common, the crowds would come and they'd start to push in on him. So he asked Peter, who had been fishing all night, if he could borrow his boat. And he did. And... He got in the boat and he got out in the water a little bit and he could use that as his platform and nobody could come and throng around him. You see, and he had a little room. And so anyway, then he asked Peter to let down the nets. <clears throat> and Peter was like, uh, you know, I know my business. I'm a fisherman. I've been fishing all night. We didn't catch anything. Long story short, you know, he said, but since you asked, I'll go ahead and do it. He let the net down. He said, he asked him to let the nets down, but he let the net down, and it almost sank the boat, the, the load of fish he brought in. And they had to bring the other boats, John and his brother James, to bring in that load of fish. It's just a small example in the Bible of how fun God is. The Holy Spirit is so interesting and fun, but you can't outgive God. I don't care what it is, whether it's your time, your money, your resources, your talents, abilities, whatever it is. Nothing is wasted on God. And it might not come right back to you in the way or from. Like we give or do something for somebody, we kind of hold it to their charge. After everything I've done for them. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fine. That's not how God wants you to be. When you give, I don't care what it is. Don't worry about that person. God can cause other people, and He will. When God wants to bless you, He sends a person. But it doesn't have to come back from that person that you blessed. It can come from other directions. So forget about that. That debt is wiped. You know what I mean? Let God do it His way. It'll be more fun and it'll be better. When you try to get involved and figure out how it needs to be done, you're going to mess it up. Essential, and then I'm uh, about done. I'm right on the last ease here for you. But he gave me essential. And I was like, what, what's essential? He says, it's essential that they remember last week's message. <laughs> <laughs> it's essential. Do you remember a month ago or so I said, who do you say he is? Based on the passage of scripture when he asked the disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you're the Son of God. And he said, the Holy Spirit has told you this. Remember, that's when he said the, the passage of Scripture that has confused the Catholic Church and they built a whole doctrine around it. But nevertheless. <laughs> um, it's essential 
Last week, it was instead of who do you say he is, who do you say you are? Who do you think you are? In other words, I'm challenging you to see yourselves as the new man, the the born-again spirit, who has been renewed in his mind and knows all things, has the mind of Christ, has an unction from the Holy Ghost, and you say, no, all things, wait a minute. Well, you see... That's because you're still identifying as that fleshy, carnal person, the one that had Jesus made Jesus come here and get and die on the cross. What you need to identify is the new creation. What this Bible says you are about you, believe the promises spoken to you and for you with the help of the Holy Spirit. When you start identifying as that spirit man, that's who you really are. Then you won't be a hypocrite anymore. <laughs> if you really call yourself a believer and you still identify with these negative emotions and all that junk like the rest of the world, then you're a hypocrite. The world will call you a hypocrite for trying to live holy. That's okay. You are holy. Let them, let them criticize you. If they criticize you for doing what God has told you to do, or for living for Jesus, then you are truly blessed. You're reaping up rewards in heaven. And if you don't believe that, then it won't be as easy to do, to tolerate, to put up with. I don't know how many Christians I know, they, they, have, a, they have a dividing line somewhere. Well, God didn't expect me to go this far. God don't expect me to put up with that. I'm like, where... Where does it say that? Mine says until you go as far as he went. And he was hanging there naked, suspended between heaven and earth, rejected by both temporarily, spit upon, beaten, mocked and ridiculed, forgiving those who were killing him from the cross. I haven't gone that far. So i got ways to go. But it's essential that you see yourself as eagles, not as buzzards. I ministered on that a while back, and you'll have to draw upon your memory to remember what I'm talking about. When those crows peck at their back, what do they do? They go higher and higher and higher until they get up to the place in the heavenlies where the crows can't breathe, and they just fall off. You got to rise above it. Yes, you have to identify as that spiritual man, and then you can look forward to everlasting, eternal benefits. Amen. Those are the last ease. You need when Jesus took those five loaves. Remember, I ministered how he fed the five thousand. He says he looked up to heaven. I mean, that word in the Greek, when he looked up, means means to see. He looked up. He saw. In other words, he saw into the spiritual realm. He saw, he had, his faith caused him to be able to see what God had intended to do. And he just went on about his business and it provided. The provision was there. Amen? We need to look up and see. Just like when Elisha asked God to let that young man see and he saw that the army that surrounded them was surrounded by the army of God. 
in the spiritual realm. We need to know that that spiritual realm is real, that Jesus is here, that God is looking to and fro, seeing whom he may be a blessing to, someone whose heart is for him, who will believe him and partner with him. You see, God parted that Red Sea, but he used a man to do it. He gave, it was, that was no longer Moses' stick, that was God's staff, but he, he needed a man to extend it out over that Red Sea and part the waters, you see. God needs a partner in everything He does. He can do anything, but He won't do anything without you. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Talking about all the things the world goes on about and seeks after and worries over and stresses about and kills themselves trying to obtain. He says, man, if they would just put their trust in me and spend time with me and build a relationship with me, I'd add all that stuff to them. That's what he told David when he took Bathsheba the way he did which was so wrong and so pitiful. He said, you know, I've given you everything. And I would have gave you more. If you'd asked me, why'd you have to do that? I got more, but I'm going to stop right here. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and grace and mercy. Thank you for causing this seed to go into our hearts, into this good ground that you have created in this place and your children here. And let it take root and bear fruit in their lives. Thank you for all the wonderful things that you are doing. Thank you for letting us be a part of it, Lord. We expect more. We expect great things from you, Lord. We are believing for amazing things to happen here in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.